0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God.
1: All right, Matthew chapter 24. We're going to try to here in the next week or so, wrap up Matthew chapter 24 and move through some other. This is kind of the foundational part of this series. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> At the end times drama. Uh, so we're just last week, I think we ended up uh, verse 15. Is that correct? Yeah, we spoke about the abomination of desolation. Uh, When Jesus was speaking of the abomination of uh, of desolation, he was speaking of that which was spoken about the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament. So let's just stop for a moment here in in this teaching that we're doing and the study that we're doing. And let's talk about a few things. Uh, let, let's understand that when Jesus is talking here, you know, hermeneutics is familiar with hermeneutics, the who, what, when, where, and why. It's always smart to look at the who, what, when, where, and why, but, but don't sink your in self into the who, what, when, where, and why. You know, understand what it's about, but move on. And understand that just as Jesus was talking about that particular prophecy, understand that, that in that prophecy, and we'll talk about it here just a little bit uh, there was a three-fold thing that was happening. As Daniel prophesies in Daniel 29 and 27, Daniel 11 and 31, Daniel 12 and, and 11, as you look at those scriptures, we won't read those scriptures, but you can go back and look at those. We understand that his, his early prophecy or the beginning prophecy is a reference to the reign of a, a particular man, as Antiochus. Uh, he was a Syrian king who ruled Palestine from, from 175 B.C. to 165 B.C., about 10 years. So in that period of time, this particular ruler was very tyrannical towards the Jews. Uh, as a matter of fact, he tried to wipe out Judaism. He tried his best to eliminate, totally eliminate, uh, eliminate Judaism out of, out of the world. He just wanted to get rid of it. And he was the tyrant that you, you look at. In this, and keep this in mind, that, that original thing that happened in that prophecy was 200 years prior to Jesus coming on the scene. So the original abomination of desolation that we're talking about here happened 200 years before Jesus came on the scene. And so uh, history repeats, and again, Josephus and other historians repeats that uh, this particular le- uh, leader, this particular tyrannical guy, he-, he desecrated the temple by sacrificing a pig on the altar, and he forced the priests to eat the flesh of the pig. And so that was the original desolation that happened that that, uh after he did that he set himself up he he actually had a god an altar built at the altar of god in the temple and on that altar he set up uh, a statue if you would of zeus we're all familiar with zeus and because he considered himself to be zeus and so the Jews understood the abomination that would be anything in the temple set up as sacrifice or set up as God was was uh, an abomination. and what was an abomination is those actions that uh, the actions of sin themselves and, and of course the abomination here, w- the Jews considered it as filth as, as as what desecration was so And yet when Jesus was speaking here about and he reverences Daniel of the abomination of desolation, you find that Jesus is speaking of a future event coming. So when you go back to that event that happened in Daniel, what you do read about is that Daniel speaks about a time when there would be an alliance, if you will, a covenant between the ruler and the Jews. But you don't find that in the 200 years before Jesus. You don't find that happening. So that, that was the incomplete part of that prophecy. Even though he prophesied that, you didn't see that happen. And so when you get to the part where Jesus is speaking of the abomination of desolation, and you, you understand that he's talking about uh, that here in the near future, which would be about 40 years later, that that the Romans were going to come in. They were going to sack Jerusalem, overthrow the temple. They were actually going to offer a, a filthy sacrifice in the temple of God again. So, But again, there's... The reference of, of the alliance or the covenant, if you will, that was mentioned in the original Daniel prophecy doesn't happen in the Roman era. What you do find when you look into the uh, arena of the tribulation is that uh, in the first three and a half years, Israel makes an alliance with Antichrist, and, and they're totally fine with this alliance. It's in the middle of that where Antichrist comes into the temple and says, here's my image and you're going to worship me. Uh, and so that's, that's when you look in, in in Revelation, it speaks of a 42-month period. If you go back to the original uh, prophecy in Daniel, between Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 12, Daniel speaks of the 1290 days, I think it's 1290 days, which is three and a half years. And so that reference of the three and a half years in the original prophecy of Daniel occurs and the final or the third abomination of desolation where Antichrist comes and in the middle of tribulation. So understand this sometimes about prophecy. When you look at prophecy, prophecy is to be fulfilled, but it's not necessarily fulfilled in one given instance you know we talked about when jesus was, was said when they asked him about what would be what would be the signs of this and the the, the end the sign of that coming and of the end of the world and we looked at what the end of the world meant at that point in time the word end there meant completion the word world meant, meant the actual roman empire but when jesus prophesied what what that was talking about he didn't necessarily his prophecy didn't necessarily mean exactly that particular pinpoint what happened in that particular arena of time let me say something about generation because Judy and I've kind of been going over some of this stuff when we look at if you look at Matthew chapter 1 there there's a lineage that's given there and it's the lineage between Abraham and Jesus but if you read the first part in the first verse what does it say it says this is the generation not generations the word generation in the Old Testament that's used most often means a a, a, a circle of time or a, a revolution is what the actual, a revolution of time. In other words, a generation, like for instance, when you read Matthew 1, you find that this is the generation, not generations. Is he given generations or a generational period here? Uh, it appears that he's given a, or saying that there's a generation or a revolution of time between Abraham and Jesus. And what happened in that revolution of time? Here's why we say that. And again, Judy, I hope you don't mind me using because uh, we as uh, the westernized church, when we look at generation, we think of father to son. So that's the first generation. Then if you have a son, it's father to son. So that's the second generation. But generation in Scripture doesn't necessarily mean a time frame like 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. How many generations were there from Noah, Noah? Back to Adam. How many generations? Anybody thought we had seven? Some say seven, some say ten. Let's use ten as a as a better, easier number to use. Well, between Adam and Noah was 1690 years. So if you use ten generations, that means each generation was 160 years. So now We've got a differentiation between the 160 years here, and then when you look in Psalm 90, uh, verse 10, where it talks about the the, the days of our years are, are are 70, and if we're great with God, 80, and we use that as a generation. We we team that our generation is 70, 80 years, when in fact, the word generation is not even used there, but we, What we've done is we've tied generation into that, not understanding that generation doesn't necessarily mean the number of years between Darren and Zach. We we call that a generation, but that's not what generation actually means. Generation is a revolution of time. So, in other words, there is the grace age that we call it, or the grace generation as they call it. It's that revolution of time that grace started and ends. It's not necessarily a period of years. We, we, we look at God and says we have this many years and we die, when in fact the Scripture says we have this purpose and we die. It's not years, it's purpose. So that's what generations in Scripture are about. They're not about years, they're about purpose. And that's the confusion that a lot of people make the mistake when they're trying to decipher and listen, let's be honest. Prophecy is the hardest thing to understand in scripture, isn't it? It's confusing because it says we're in Atlantis and that. Francis Jennings. Yeah. It
0: says the days of our years are this. Okay? People lived so long back, then, Why
1: would that be right there in the middle of the Bible when that speaks to our generation? Right. Do y'all know what a generation is today? What is a generation? The time frame between one person and the next? Do y'all know what the generation is today? What the life, what the lifespan of the average person, human being in the world is today? Lifespan of the average person in the world. See, we think of America, 75, huh? 60? 60? The lifespan of a human being in today's society. I looked it up today. 29.6 years. That's all humanity. We think in American terms all the time. The Bible doesn't speak in American terms. It speaks in world terms beginning at Jerusalem. And so understand this. If generationalism has to do with years, then years today is generation is 30 for the world. Now, let's go back. Let's go back between... Between Adam and Noah, how, how many years did people live? Was the generation? If if we went by the number of of generations, but how many years did Methuselah lived? Nine hundred sixty nine years. So he lived about two thirds of that time. So here, the only reason I'm making these points is don't get caught up in numerals when you talk about generation. When Jesus made the statement here that this generation would not pass, and yet you see things that had not happened after that generation had passed, it either appears Jesus was mistaken or the word generation means something else. And so what do we know? The word generation means something else. Jesus was not mistaken. So understanding that generation means a revolution of time, a revolution of age, and let's let's look in scripture because we call them dispensations but the word dispensation is what we say a period of time but the word dispensation means an age so so we live currently live in the grace dispensation we call it the church age so the so we could also say this is the church generation because again we We get messed up on numbers a lot because, I guess because we're a number society, but we think in American terms so much that it messes us up. So I just wanted to talk about a few of those things, and I said a few things last week to try to stir up some stuff to see if y'all would come back and, you know, so we'll see. I want to stir you up. I want you to be looking. It's it's important. Because of the stages of, of the different, how many w- years was there between this one, this one and this one and this one and this one and this one? And you'll notice that in the dispensations of time, yeah, in the dispensations of time in Scripture, there are seven dispensations that are mentioned. And there's usually typically about a 1,000 years between dispensations. But then between two separate groups, there could be 2,000. Kind of depends on how you look. How you, who you're looking at, so to speak? But the dispensations or the ages ha- have to do with uh, we 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 look at numbers, but it has to do with purpose. There wasn't a number that God put on Adam as far as the uh, the age or the dispensation of innocence. The, we don't know how long Adam and Eve were innocent. Yeah, so. We, you know, we know that, there, that the, the sun, moon, and the stars created on the fourth day were given for, for signs and seasons, times. But look up those words. Because, you know, we, we, we think of, okay, it's deer season. What does that mean? We've got an a lot amount of time to kill a deer. And that's the mentality that we use when we think of things in Scripture. When, in fact, when you look the words up in their origin, they mean something different. And so that's why, uh, that's why we do expository. That's why we're doing verse by verse is to look at things and the words that were used because you y'all, y'all know this, that our words are so diluted in English. They're so diluted. I mean, uh, that when we think in English for words in scripture, boy, we get messed up. That's why prophecy gets so messed up because we're thinking in English when we should be thinking in the origin of word. So. If we look back in the first prophecy, Daniel said that Jews would be in an alliance or a covenant with the enemy. That's never happened. Still hasn't happened. It's it's a future event. So remember what I said in the beginning? uh, I think it was the second lesson after dispensations, that when you look at prophecy, another reason people get messed up with prophecy is there's prophecy of the end for the Jews, there's prophecy of the end for the world, and there's prophecy of the end for the church. And so when Jesus was speaking to his people at the time that he was speaking about, when they asked about the end, the prophecy for them was different than the church. But what the church tries to do today in America is we try to take part of the world prophecy and part of the church prophecy and part of the Jewish prophecy and put them together and make something work. And that's why we get all confused. So as we go through this, we want to just look at the different, so we're not going to hit everything, but look at the different, like if, if it says there's, there's earthquakes in divers' places, is that just for the Jew? Just, just for the church? Just for the world? It's going to involve who? Everybody. So you know there's overlap. Right. Okay. So w- there's things we have to consider and understand when we're talking about th- this end time thing. So let's let's keep going. So we know that that alliance hasn't happened, that Antichus uh, his part was clearly fulfilled back in in those days. Uh, but listen, in that prop, there's a few clues that help pe- piece together that future event. We don't actually. Here, here's the thing about Daniel. never actually gives us the future event. Jesus never actually speaks the future event. He just calls it the abomination of def- desolation. He doesn't say what that is. Now, what was it in the past? What was the abomination of desolation in the past? And Daniel, we just talked about it. What well, they did? The, the pig. Yeah. Pig at the altar. So what, what happened when Titus, uh, he brought his group in, and actually the, the procurator actually is the one who did all the. Titus really didn't do the stuff. The procurator of that particular arena did it. And uh, do you know what he did at the altar? The temple? He did the same thing that happened in Daniel's day. He offered a pig. So, God's pretty consistent. So most likely, now this again, I'm going to give you first Don 5 and 7 on this one. Most likely that future event is that when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple, And he puts his image there that he's going to offer a sacrifice that the Jews still hold filthy or an abomination. The abomination is actually offered a a sacrifice other than what God calls for. And then because of what he does, the desolation happens. Now, the desolation happened to who in Daniel in the beginning? The Jews. The desolation happened to who the days just after Jesus passed away? The Jews. The desolation happens to who... here here's the kicker and here's where people get messed up there's going to be a there's going to be a desolation so what's going to happen is at the end of tribulation time all gentile nations are going to come against Israel so if we exist and we may very well exist we will go against Israel to war so there's going to be a desolation at the end of tribulation because of the the abomination brings the desolation, the abomination ushers in or opens the door to the desolation. Only it's going to have it's going to change in this one. And why is that? Anybody have an idea? And now I'll move on. Because at at that end, something different happens on the third abomination of desolation. Something different happens that didn't happen in the other two. Yeah. There's a return of Jesus. The original one was the first advent of Jesus. Jesus died, and then some 40 years later, that abomination of desolation happened to Israel. But Jesus returns. It's called the second coming, something we're going to get into in a couple of weeks because the second coming and the rapture are two different events, two different things that happen. And there's another reason that people get messed up in prophecy is they start, they start pinning the clues, if you will, of one to the other. And so that, that messes up what's going to happen because then when you look at one book, it doesn't line up with the other book. I was reading in Revelation today because I was just kind of consuming what, what Antichrist was going to do and what his point and purpose was, the beast and the false prophet and all of that business, what, what they were going to do. And, then, and, and here was the thing. When I got to it, in order for me to understand it, I had to go back to Daniel because I couldn't understand unless I went back to Daniel. Once I read Daniel again, chapters 9 through 12, then it starts making sense. Because of the consistency of God. So I know I'm throwing out a little bit. I didn't want to get bogged down in a repetitious every week. So everybody said, Look, I'm just going to wait till week seven, then I'm going to come back. So a few clues. First, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that the abomination will be standing in the holy place. It says stand in the holy place, but when you look it up, the abomination will be the term holy place is found in only one other place in the New Testament. Only one other place, and that's in the book of Acts, chapter twenty-one, twenty-eight, and it refers to what the temple in Israel. The holy place was the temple in Israel. So this, oh, let me let me keep going. Psalm chapter twenty-four, verse three, in the Old Testament, describes or refers to the holy place, and that holy place described in Psalm is the temple. So we understand that this abomination of desolation is standing in the temple, the holy place, the temple. This next one that's coming up will actually be in the temple. Now, here's the problem. Is there a third temple? Because the second one was destroyed. Titus destroyed it. So is there a third temple today? I'm going to ask you all some questions to see if you're reaching out. Altar's there? Temple's not there? Yeah, and here I'm going to I'm going to throw an interesting deal that just came out last week. They they play at the wall. What's the what's the big issue right now in Jerusalem that that they fear will cause a war? Dome of the Rock. It's where Muhammad received his whatevers, and so for in order for the Jews to build the temple, they have to destroy the Dome of the Rock. No. No. Number one, this came out this past week, and they they were digging around uh, uh, on, if you will, the Jewish side. They were digging around in a house that was below it. You know how civilization on top of civilization? And they found this structured piece that describes where the temple was. And the furthest gate is actually 44 feet away from the Dome of the Rock. The temple was not where the Dome of the Rock is anyway. That's not even where it was at, but but it's not the, that's not what you know that that's been a big issue that gonna, that's going to that's going to cause Armageddon. is what they're saying. That's not what causes causes Armageddon in the scripture, but but in our Western eyes, because we've taken this one and this one and this one and put it together, well, this is what's got to happen. So we'll, we'll kind of go through that too as we go, y'all. I'm throwing y'all some bones tonight because I, I because I've been I've been giving you bones the last. <laughs> three or four weeks. So I'm going to throw some bones at you tonight because I really want you to... These things are not hard to understand. If, if you'll just take a little time, get out your Strong's. If you don't have a Strong's, it's on your phone, or, or, or Blue Letter Bible, it's on your phone, and look up some definitions of words as they were stated, not as we state them, because it's going to change your, your mode of thinking as we go through this. So uh, as well in Daniel 9 and 27, it says that there will be a person that stands in the abomination. So there's an individual at some point. Well, that didn't happen. There wasn't a person in the original one. Even though we know this particular, there wasn't an absolute person that was the, that was the abomination of desolation. It was an event. It's the same thing in, in the days right after Jesus. It was an event, the hog deal, the hog deal, okay? There's not going to be a hog deal on the end one. There's, there is a person that stands as the abomination of desolation because Paul talks about him in Second Thessalonians. Did y'all know that the Antichrist is actually a hog, not a not, not a hog in the sense that you're thinking, but he's going to be a filthy. I'm going to get way ahead of myself here. Get way ahead of myself. The, pardon. He's the abomination. You, yeah, we'll talk about it a little later. You, you remember about the? There would be one that has a great head wound, but he'll come back. He's not the only one. He's not. I'm gonna get way ahead of myself. I'm throwing you a bone though. Book of Re- yeah, because because there's man, there's a there's a whole. Pro- We're gonna go through it. There's a whole process, and there's there's more. You know, we think of the uh, of the three. The, the beast, the antichrist, the false prophet, but there, there's more involvement here. It's in Revelation. It's pretty, it's pretty obvious. Uh, so, so someone standing in the holy place is going to cause the desolation, uh, which is the total destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. That's, that happened. Uh, we know those two happened, but we know that the last one, that's not going to happen. There's not going to be a destruction of the temple. And, the, and Daniel 9, 26 through 27 indicates that the destruction of Jerusalem was after the Messiah is put to death. So let, let me see if I can throw this at you. I'm, when you look at Daniel, you will find that he gave an absolute, this is going to happen, and it happened pretty immediate. Then when you look at Daniel, he said, listen, going to in chapter 9, 26 through 27, that, that it's going to happen right after the Messiah's death. So we know that happened. But, but then there's another part where it says that we know that that final one that's not going to be a destruction of the temple. It's, it's going to bring about a new age. It's going to bring about a new generation. It, it's, it's a whole. So we know what happened in 7018 with Titus. We know those things. So this is the second occasion of the abomination of desolation, the one with, with, with Jesus, right after Jesus' death in the Romans. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I know I'm speaking a lot here and there, but I'm doing this for a reason tonight, y'all. I really want you to just go back because we're going to get out of Matthew 24 pretty quick and start looking at the rest of Scripture on end time. But th- this is a foundational thing that has been so misconceived or misconstrued or mis put together that that n- none of the other things we're going to talk about from here are, are going to make any sense without us talking about what we're talking about here, okay? Matthew 24 and the Daniel thing. It's very, very important. 2 Thessalonians 2 describes the end-time tribulation that concerns the Antichrist and and, uh, this blasphemy that he's going to commit. He's going to commit blasphemy. Let let no one in any way deceive you, Paul says, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. What is apostasy? Yeah. And you, you, you understand what an apostate is? 'Cause apostasy being an apostate and apostasy, the apostasy are actually a little different deal here. What's an apostate? Somebody that not a backslider. in our old in our old group, most of us are apostates. <laughs> they just threw backsliding out of you know. Huh? yeah if you become apostate you want, number one what's something you, you partook of that you turn directly away from no lo- no longer are you a part of that but it's even worse than that. you are now an enemy of it. That's what happens when you become apostate. You're delivered up to be your own God. you're delivered up to be God just delivers you up. if, if you're gonna you know if you're going to go your way you can become your own God God says okay. You know, have at it. But there's an apostasy that happens in the end, in the tribulation, and so let no man deceive you. For it Well, not unless, unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction chooses and exalt he exalts himself above every so. Doesn't matter what god it is. It can be Hinduism. It can be. It doesn't matter. He is going to exalt himself above every single god that exists. And he, he is going to be the object of worship so that he takes his seat uh, in, in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. This is what causes the Jews in the middle of tribulation to say, W-w-w-w. the reason the Jews didn't receive Jesus is because that was God in flesh and the Jews never considered a fleshly man to ever be God. Can't happen. And so that's why they had an issue with Jesus being the Messiah, God in the flesh. They didn't. And so this will be the same thing that happens. They will will not allow a man to stand in the temple and proclaim himself as God. But when he does that, now he has created an issue. He's created an issue. So this happens during the tribulation period. Revelation 13 and 5 describes the Antichrist and the time given to him to rule, the 42 months. I've already really talked about this. And Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 says that in the the middle of this tribulation period, of the 1290 days, the same thing is going to happen. So he he gives the same amount of time in Daniel as we read about in the book of Revelation. So we see that Jesus' reference to the dispensation, his first reference the first abomination of desolation was during what dispensation? When did that happen? The dispensation of law. Okay. So the second abomination of desolation happened in what age? What dispensation is after Jesus's crucifixion. So, right. So the third one happens when this, this is very interesting in scripture. There's only two dispensations left, and we're living in one. The kingdom age that is to come. That millennial reign. This is the transition period, just as when Jesus was crucified and Jerusalem was sacked, all of that. Again, remember we said this? It's not pop, pop, pop. This is this happens in in, in a frame of purpose that God spoke about in prophecy. And so this transition happens between the grace age and the dispensation that we we call the millennial reign the kingdom age this dispensation it happens at uh w- when all this takes place in that last three and a half years and then the battle of armageddon and then we see that switch over is that so far so okay this listen if you got a different idea throw it out there that's what this is about if you got a different understanding, throw it out there. That's what this is about. Here, here's one of the things we don't do well in the Americanized, Westernized Church. We don't let other people have a say. And that's very sad in the Westernized Church. That's not how the early church operated. Were there pastors? Mm-hmm. Were there leaders? Mm-hmm. But did they all have talk and say and discussion? Mm-hmm. And that's what this is, needs to be about. There are things that we've all heard in our past, present, and we will hear in our future. That maybe is right, wrong, or in between. But the one way that we can get things out and just understand things is as we discuss them. Y'all all looking like, like I me? Mean, you're crazy. But it's as we discuss them. Question, you know, the early they had check, they had questions. People in the church had questions. Did Paul have every answer? No. Peter? No. No, no, they didn't all have all the... John got this revelation, made no sense. So that's why I want to have more of an open discussion or maybe what you've read, what you've studied. Have this open discussion. And, hey, I've always thought this or I've always heard this. You know, I guess most people are afraid to do that because you know, when somebody in the westernized church has an idea that's different and it, and it maybe it's not correct, they're they're like put in their place so to speak that's not what this is about we you know what if somebody has a different idea than me and let's just say that idea t- per- turns out to be proved their idea turns out to be proved true and mine is, is mistaken you know what who who wins here everybody that's why we do that everybody wins you know it's not about pointing who's right and wrong it's about truth the discovery of truth you know, I think Bishop said it not long ago. I'm going to repeat it. There are things in Daniel that were, uh, that were locked. And God said, lock it up, not for you, that it's going to be unlocked in this end time. And there's going to be people that are going to understand some things that we've never heard or understood. But how are we going to know unless we open the door up to let the understanding? Well, it's going to be a pastor. Mmm, probably not. It's going to be an evangelist. Mmm, probably not. It's going to be a prophet. Mmm, probably not. It's just going to be to the church. It's just, you know, that that's what unlocks the gateway to many things, is that we as the body of Christ come together with it. So I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm throwing these things out at you, because I want to hear, I want to talk about what we've heard in the past, what we've heard in the present, and what we might hear in the future, because there's some things we're seeing now that are going on that, you know, in our own country, you know, we, we, we really believe that the future of this country is going to drastically change next Tuesday, one way or the other. You know, so the more we understand and know, because Jesus said this, listen, consider the parable of the fig tree. Why was he wanting you to consider that? Because when you read the parable, he's he's trying to show us that there's an understanding that if you consider the parable of the fig tree and you understand just like he said, listen, you guys, y'all can look way off and see the cloud coming. And you know, by watching that cloud coming and it's moving closer to you, the rain's getting closer. You can read the elements, but you can't reach you can't read spiritual things. What's the problem? Well, it's because we don't talk about it, we don't pray about it, we don't study it. So that that's what this was really all about. You know, where where we're at in this. So let me keep going, then we'll so we see that, that that's the closing of grace, beginning of millennia. And I and I I want you to see how thorough we have to invest ourselves in scripture to understand. There has to be a thoroughness. Well, I hate to call names. Bishop, what was the prophecy guy from the UPC that was so uh, I can't remember his name. But I can see his face. He became the uh, superintendent of the UPC. No, way after him. He was the prophet guy. He wrote. Had, had the, I'm covering this up. He had the book with with the different beast and all that on it. Why can I not remember his name?
0: Uh,
1: Bernard. That's it. Yeah. Have you ever read any of his books? Okay, have you ever read any of that person' name that Brother uh, Fuller told us? Uh, Don, he remembered it, Don didn't. <laughs> have you ever read of any of his prophecies, the prophecy books? Yeah. His name was David Bernard. He wrote several prophecy books. The basis of that particular person, and you're exactly right. I'm not going to repeat that, but, you know, they had some particular standards that they thought they were so right on that was so absolutely off-rack with the Bible. And the prophecy was simply because there was no investigation of total Scripture. It was the deal of, okay, my narrow mind holds me in this narrow place, and so my narrow thinking brings me to this narrow prophecy. And that's the problem with prophecy we can't, You can't be narrow minded in prophecy. you miss the whole thing That's one that is to be thorough in the scripture is very important.
0: They had a prophecy conference in 1988 or '89 in Little Rock, Arkansas, where supposed the best prof- prophetic minds were gathered to discuss prophecy. I'd been pastoring. Maybe ten years, I asked one question that so confused them. I left knowing <laughs> that they didn't have an expert in prophecy. Yeah, you know it. It's it's really it's really a shame. It really is. It is
1: the whole point. The whole point of this conversation we're having right now is to understand why that was a problem. It was okay. they had a narrow mind of prophecy. Yeah.
0: It was on Revelation 5, where the lamb stands before the throne, takes the book out of the hand of the lion sitting on the throne, Mm -hmm. and the (laughs) lamb looses the seals thereof. So the question I ask, how do you explain this to a Trinitarian? When you got a lamb, who is the son, taking a book out of the hand of the lion, who is the father, how is that not two persons? Well, it's all symbolic. Yeah. It's not a literal lamb. It's not a literal lion.
1: It's not a, yeah. The physical, again. The, but the, they
0: couldn't answer the question. That's the point.
1: <laughs> yeah. The point is, had, if you study, if you do any study in Revelation, you understand the sim, there's symbolism. But out of the symbolism, there's a reference to actual prophecy. And without the two together, the symbolism makes absolutely no sense. But when you go back to Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, when you go back to those early guys, there's a connection that runs true. That's why we want to be thorough in what we're doing. That's one of the reasons I just threw a lot of these bones out to you tonight is for you to look in the Old Testament because that's where it begins. That's where it begins. To understand where you're headed, the best place to look is to see where you came from. If you want to know where a person's headed find out where they came from and you'll know where they're headed can it change absolutely it can change but you got to look back first you got to understand some things first and the symbolisms anyway that's a so let me let me just move well i'm gonna stop i gotta stop here what we did one verse oh (laughs) (laughs) okay well we're not yeah i know but we can't belabor. we can't get bogged down in Matthew 24 because it, <laughs> i'm getting there <laughs> mm mm-hmm. mhm Yeah. I th- I think personally, I think one of the reasons he sealed it up, number one, it wasn't for them. It wasn't for that era of time. And number two, to un- all human beings are, have the same deal. If if I knew I was going to be in a car wreck on Thursday, I just wouldn't go anywhere on Thursday. I'd stay home. So if I knew certain things about God's plan, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. That's humanity. I think that's another reason that we see that. But I think the, the overall purpose purpose is purpose. There's a purpose in prophecy, not just a point. There's a purpose in prophecy, not just a point. Many people want to make a point in prophecy and not understand the purpose of it because there's a dynamic in all prophecy that is the will of God. God spoke it. It will happen. So I got to stop here. I'm sorry. You have any?
0: 60% of the people will show up at an event within five minutes of it starting. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, let that sink in. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry, y'all, one verse, sorry. So I we'll, will promise y'all I'll pick it up next week. We'll get moving. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you this weekend.
0: For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.